Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Fazanadu for the NES. Fazanadu, not Faxanadu, as I've said before, (laughs) was developed by Hudson Soft and published by them in Japan in November of 1987. Then by the big in themselves Nintendo in North America, but distributed by Mattel in August of 1989. Wow, Mattel. Two years later. Like, I think that was more of a shipping thing, distribution situation. Yeah, you just don't see them pop up much. And then in the EU territories... This game was not released until December of 1990. Ah, all right. Now, this game is a spinoff or side story from the Xanadu series or the second Dragon Slayer. Yeah, it's really weird. It is. And I'm not very familiar with the Dragon Slayer series. I am somewhat um, because I remember being very confused whether this was connected or not, but I'm more familiar. I mean, I love this game. Spoilers. But uh, I'm also familiar with uh legacy of the wizard which is a fun game i'd like to subject you to someday Hmm. now hudson they licensed the xanadu branding from falcom Mm -hmm. because dragon slayer was so huge in japan yeah yeah and it's really interesting that they just like instead of making their own game kind of bought naming rights to just insert this into that franchise yeah yeah and since it is a portmanteau of famicom and xanadu yeah yeah it is Fazanadu, not Faxanadu, as I had thought it was for many, many years. Oh, until last, I, last recording. Oh, man. Well, I, I've been trying to teach myself the proper pronunciation for years because, you know, I remember seeing it as a kid, like Faxanadu. Like, I, I, I'd never heard Xanadu. I didn't know, you know. It wasn't your favorite movie yet. Not yet. Oh, no. And I will be saying it wrong, I'm sure, a lot well, throughout I'll, this podcast. We'll find out. I will say this, too. I think Faxanadu sounds better. I like it. It's more rolls off your tongue. It's more rewarding to say. Sure. Now, (laughs) as we mentioned, this game was developed by Hudson Soft, and I don't think we've talked about them very much. They're a very interesting company. They were founded in 1973. Oh. And they started as a radio uh, store. (laughs) Okay. A place that sold, like, amateur radio equipment and, like, like kind of like a radio shack for Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, my old man yells at cloud moment here is the fact that, man, I'm so bummed that there is no Radio Shack anymore or a way to get like any kind of electronic components or project boxes. Yeah. Without ordering them online. It's really it's all, annoying. The brick and mortars are gone. They're Yeah. As a guy that like finally is now comfortable enough with electronics to be able to utilize some of those parts when I need to repair or make something. Yeah. It would just be so much easier to drive over to the mall Swing by the oh. Wilson Leather store, <laughs> grab some fart spray at the uh, old Spencer's Gifts, and then pick up some uh, resistors or something at, at Radio Shack. Radio Shack was always the place where it was like, maybe one of the computers has a game for the like demonstration or whatever hooked mm-hmm. up. I, I, I remember 
I think playing like legendary acts or something at one one while well, I was there with my grandfather. But oh, they also usually had some pretty cool like remote control cars, radio control cars, stuff like that. Or the Armatron. Uh, there's one in my basement. It's the yeah. one I owned as a child. <laughs> it is perhaps one of the greatest. I don't know, adjunct toys of all time. Like by itself, it's fairly fun. But once you use that around your action figures and stuff, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. We should describe it, though, because like listeners might not be familiar, but it was like a semi remote control via ribbon cable, like robotic arm that you could. Well, manipulate. the controls were in the base of it. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, it had like three points of articulation and a claw that opened and closed and rotated. See, I, I had a different model, though. Oh, okay. I had the one that was like, it looked like a robot on wheels and you could move it. Oh. And it had an arm, but it, I, didn't, I don't I didn't even know that existed. Yeah, it's really weird. But again, it was great for being uh, the factory backdrop for your Ninja Turtles or yeah, yeah. Star Wars figures. It was, it was too huge to interact with normal, you know, but it could pick up little, yeah, like you said, Ninja Turtle sized, He Man sized, cool stuff. Indeed. Uh, <laughs> That's next enough. week's episode Armatron, <laughs> Toy Talk. But yeah, Hudson Soft, the company, uh, <laughs> they stopped making radio equipment and they started making video games for a lot of different systems, not just the Nintendo. Yeah. And their early motto was just like flood the system, I think. You know, they, <laughs> they put out like 30 different games in one year. Wow. And none of which were very uh, good or successful. But then they decided, you're like, maybe we should uh, actually invest time and effort into a game. And they yeah. did a load runner on the Famicom. And okay. that was a, a huge hit. They started using that money to kind of start their other hits. And then, of course, they made Bomberman. Mm-hmm. And that was the that was it. That's the core of their their whole Hudson universe. Bomberman going strong for many, many years. Indeed. And uh, eventually they even uh, made their own system. The TurboGrafx-16, also known as the PC mm-hmm. engine in Japan. Yeah. Uh, them and NEC teamed up. And I never knew anyone that had a TurboGrafx. Did you? I, I did. I had a friend. I, I only played a few games on it, most notably Kadash. Okay. It was just cool because it was like the first 16-bit console when everything else was still 8-bit. Yeah, but isn't it like a... It's not a real 16... It's like two 8-bits combined or something weird. Something like that. It, it was not nearly as powerful or as cool as like the Super Nintendo or the Genesis. But it was first. I did think eventually... Did, didn't it get like a CD-ROM drive? Maybe I only think in so. Japan. It's hard to say. I, I, yeah, I'm not super familiar, but it's something I, I need to look into because I don't know if you remember, but way back in the Ease episode, mm-hmm. probably four years ago or something, uh, <laughs> I remember being confused because we played the Sega Master System version. And I, and I was like, no, the one I got on Wii had this crazy rockin' metal music by Yuzo Koshiro. And then it, I figured out that it was because I was. I, the one I had bought was the TurboGrafx-16 version. Oh. And I was playing that, and I, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to check the system out more than I have. Uh, the thing that really like blew my mind about it was the Turbo Express, the handheld. Oh, I never encountered it. Uh, well, I didn't either, but I did know that it just used the exact same cards as mm. the TurboGrafx. So like, to me, yeah. that was amazing. Yes, yes, yeah. The music in this game, Fazanadu, was done by June... Chikuma. Yeah, I saw that. She's done like all the Bombermans, right? Like And Adventure Island. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Wonder Boy 3 Monster Lair. Nice. But yes, like every single Bomberman ever. And I'm not sure if like she's actually done the full soundtrack for them or that they are using a lot of her early compositions mm-hmm. and therefore she gets credit. But hey, she's she's credited all the way up through 2007 on Bombermans. M- making that Bomberman money. Now, most importantly, Fezanadu 
was featured in two episodes of Captain N, the Game Master. Whoa, really? Yes. And don't worry, Cartridge Commandos. At some point, there will be a Captain N, the Game Master episode. Oh, geez. And I'll be wearing my Captain N jacket during the whole thing. Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a video. (laughs) I am one of the five people in the U.S. that has gone through the trouble of making a fully accurate costume for Kevin, (laughs) the Game Master, Captain N himself. And uh, yeah, there was two episodes. Uh, They were kind of like in the world of uh, Fazanadu. One was the feud of Fazanadu and the other one was Germ Wars. Uh, In it, they renamed uh, the Elven King Melvis, and he has an Elvis parody. (laughs) And uh, that's... That's all I could find about it. I guess I'm not sure how easy it is to watch this show. We'll have to figure that one out. I'm pretty sure it's it's got to be on YouTube. Yeah, I, I haven't gone back since I was a kid. Well, it didn't hold up well then. I'm sure it holds up even worse now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, Nick, what kind of game is Fazanadu? Sir, it is a side-scrolling action RPG, kind of. I, I think so. It definitely skirts that line as well as you can in the 8-bit era. Yeah, yeah. And in this game, you can jump. Yes, you can. And it's a bigger jump than, you know, it seems like you should have. It's kind of awkward at first. Yeah, it's it's kind of got a weird... I feel like it's slightly more vertical arc then yeah. you know you know what i mean but it it kind of behaves like a castlevania jump very castlevania ash you have a bigger jump than say simon belmont but yeah you know there is that deliberation to the jumping here once you are jumping you are not changing your trajectory not at all now you cannot duck in this game no it's I, my I biggest wish you could. my biggest gripe was always like what how can you have a two tile tall sprite and not duck it just seems wrong It does, but you can attack and attack you do with a variety of weapons. Uh, We'll get to those in just a moment. But, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, that is your main way of interacting with the world. You cannot jump on enemies that they will hurt you. Yes, they will. You must attack them with one of the various weapons. You also have items you can use. And to do that, you press down and your attack button. Yeah. Or up in your attack button to use your other type of attack, the magic attacks. Yes. So there's a lot going on with the control scheme here. Luckily, it's pretty responsive for the up attack. I didn't do it on accident that much, but when I did, it was annoying. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to have an item equipped at all times. So once you've used it, that slot is empty and you're not in danger of using another item on accident. Yeah, you always want to keep it empty. I At least I always did because that sucks. Yes, uh, because in this game, you do have to buy most of these things. And yeah, as yeah. you are walking around fighting stuff, you get gold drops gold drops from enemies yes and sometimes also bread yeah those are the two drops you're going to get from enemies bread and gold and the amount of gold you get changes depending on the toughness or whatever of that enemy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they'll have uh, set amounts yeah and that bread restores health because in this game you have a health meter uh, which is what the p on your screen there's two meters an m and a p yes the red one the p your power power i think physical power <laughs> uh, that's your health and the m the green one is your magic meter and it goes down every time you cast a spell yes now the bread is also variable some enemies the bread they drop increases a tiny amount some enemies their bread increases a larger amount but it always looks the same 
Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting because what we'll get there, you do gain levels in this game, but it does not affect your health. You you have or yeah, your what, magic maximum. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into that because I was I was very confused by that for a long time. Uh, yeah, it's a little weird, but because you, you know it's kind of deceptive. You will start with like a quarter of your health, I think, and maybe no magic, but you can still you know spend money to fill those up all the way to the top. Like it, it doesn't change. No. Now, also on your screen, you do get to see the uh, amount of experience you get for killing enemies. Uh, it goes up, you know, by different amounts. Mm -hmm. How much gold you have in total. And there's a timer that tells you how much the limited time items have left. Yeah, there there are a few things you'll encounter that, you know, they'll last for 20, maybe 30 seconds sometimes. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, this is probably as good a time as any. Let, let's talk about this, uh, the rank, because I was really like, I need to make sure I always rank up. Whenever you go to a town, and sometimes in other places, you will find what they call a guru. Yeah, yeah. But it's obviously just a church. Yes, they clearly thought they were sneaking something by, you know. Yeah, because they, they can't have it be truly like a Christian imagery. To, you know how Nintendo was. Yes. And in that church, you can talk to the guru there. And if you have enough experience, you will rank up. Yeah. And what does that do for you? Well, to be honest with you, it's it's gold. <laughs> That's it. Um, it's the amount of gold you start with when you die. Is that it? Yeah. So when you use a password, you will you'll have a just set starting gold depending on what level you are. Okay. Which is an interesting. As I mentioned, this game does you know it's got a password. So when you uh, come back, it'll save all the items you have, any weapons or armor and stuff. And, and you do get that password also from the guru. Yeah, yeah. So that that's the real thing. The the leveling up is deceptive because you you might think you can like power up, but you cannot really. Yeah, I was like, oh, I got to make sure I get I get that rank up like for no reason because I cheated, so I never used the password. Yeah, well, yeah, and it like is part of an exploit you can do because it kind of behooves you anytime you spend all your money to just reset and start over, and you'll have your starting gold, you know, because it gets up to like. 12,000 or something. Yeah, well, we'll hit it here. We'll go over it. But there's also a negative side to leveling up. Did you know that? Uh, well, like how so? Well, at certain rank levels, the amount of time your wing boots work is decreased. Oh, yes, yes. I, I saw that. Yeah. Which is kind of annoying. Yeah. Like, granted, a, you don't really need to use them very often, but. Yeah, it is weird. I, yeah, I, I don't know what that is adding or preventing. Maybe they just don't want you flying past too many things in the end of the game, I guess. So let's go over these ranks real quick, just because I think it's kind of funny, some of the names. And uh, we'll tell you the other uh, gold amounts. Yeah, you start out as a novice. Yes. Then you become an aspirant, aspirant. Yeah, uh, then a yeah. battler, then a fighter, then an adept, a chevalier. And at that point, you get 2,100. You get a, like about 200 more to 300 more with each bump. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at veteran, or next is veteran, then warrior, then swordsman, and then hero. And at Hero, you have 5,000 starting gold, which is a pretty good chunk of change. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Soldier, uh, Miradon, Myrmidon, M-Y-R-M-I-D-O-N. What is that even from? It's it's like a warrior type. It, you know, it's just another synonym, I believe. Um, I, I rec This is the first time this game was the first place I saw it, but I would see it creep up in D&D &D as like mm. a type of, you know, fighter subclass or and stuff sometimes. Yes. Uh, then you become a champion then a superhero oh yeah which really should be the last one and a yeah. superhero you get ten thousand gold yeah man 
Once you hit the second tier, your wing boots drop from 40 seconds to 30. Third tier, 20 seconds. And here at Superhero, they're only going for 10 seconds. Oof, that's rough. Uh, then you become a paladin with 13,000 gold. And I wish I would have known because I ground, I grinded like a ton for gold for this last spell that I didn't even use. Yeah. And I could have just died and came back as a lord, the final one, which I got. Yeah. And you get 15,000 gold. Yeah, it's a lot. It's crazy. Yeah, this little like title rank system is is kind of fun. It reminds me of in first edition D&D. Mm. All of the classes would have a little, you know, with your like level up chart and all the stuff you get. You also yeah. got a title for every one. Oh, that's cool. It reminds me of Toe Jam and Earl. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, you got that like, you're a dweeb, you're a whatever. Like you got a title as you went up in levels and that. So I yeah, like yeah, yeah. Now in this game, you do have a pause that's just a standard, you know, hit start. Nothing happens. The screen is frozen and there's mm -hmm. no music. But you also can hit select and go into your menu, which is another way of pausing. Yeah. And in this menu, you've got your weapons, your armor, your shields, uh, your magic. And you can swap these. Like once you own it, you have to either equip the weapon or the armor or the shield. Yes. And once you have a magic, you can change which magic you have in that menu as well. Yes, you can. Now, the thing that is different, though, is in the items. And we'll talk about this. Uh, the keys you get later. When you use a key, it's instant. Yeah. Like you don't have it selected to then use. Yeah. And you can only hold like eight items, I think. Yeah. In your annoying. inventory at any time, which is kind of rough. So that's another reason you don't want to waste any. <laughs> uh, and then your final menu is the player menu. And that just shows you your current rank, your experience points to the next one, current stuff, you know, that kind of standard. What, what you got going on right now mm -hmm, mm -hmm. menu. So let's talk about some of these items. There are two forms of items. There's ones you buy and in, are in your inventory. But there are also ones you just find in the levels. Yeah. And there's actually kind of like two ways you find them in the level as well. Well, that's true. Sometimes they'll appear after you've like killed enemies or sometimes they're just sitting there. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's like there's a 25% chance that once you clear a room of enemies, that, that item will appear. Yeah. And it's usually set rooms like this room will spawn it maybe, and it you know, will always spawn in the same spot as well. Yeah. Now, uh, the ones you just find in levels are the well you can find a red potion but you can also yeah. buy that yeah which is a full life restore very needed yeah yeah uh there is the matok which is a pickaxe yeah and you, you can use it to break walls yeah once, there's one wall you have to <laughs> defeat a boss to break but then it, it just like reappears as a random item for killing enemies in some parts of the game yeah yeah a little goofy uh there are the wing boots yeah and these are great they let you fly yep uh, you just hold down your jump button and press up no tapping nothing you can just fly around yeah and these items will all go to your inventory first usually and they have to be actively used by you but there are some that just happen immediately but we'll get there uh there is the hourglass yeah which as you might imagine freezes all the enemies for a little i don't think while. i ever used one of these yeah i mean if they show up it's like yeah i guess but you know, some of these, like especially the wing boots, that's another good gold exploit is if you can find one, you can fill out your item inventory with them and then go sell them. Mm -hmm. uh, because everything like reappears once you leave a room and come back. Yeah, yeah. There's there's screen wide respawn. And then finally, the elixir, the most important item in the game, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Which refills all your magic and power. Uh, and does so automatically when you oh, take yeah. your last hit. Yeah, that's the key. Yeah, yeah. But yes, as you mentioned, there are items that you find that once you touch them, they are instantly activated. I like yeah. the coin or the bread. Yeah, yeah. 
But there's uh, three other ones. There's the poison. Yeah, it hurts you and you don't want it. And there's like one part of the game that, that it's sitting there. I don't even know how to get around it. Yeah. In the tree. Yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know. I'm not a fan of poison items. I think it's kind of a jerk move. Definitely a jerk move. And then there is the glove, which is almost as useless to me. Yeah, it gives you a little attack boost. As for about 20 seconds or so, I think. Yeah. But the MVP of the pickup and instant use items is, of course, by far, the ointment. The ointment. Yeah, it makes you invincible. For a long time. Yeah, so you can really cruise, you know, or use it to cruise through some difficult parts if you if you so choose. Oh, and I did. I did a lot. Now, uh, the only downside is the ointment does not protect you from magic attacks. So like projectile magic, mm. fireballs, etc. will still hurt you and will still knock you around. Yes, that's important to note. It is because I got knocked off screen a few times or off ladders and things because of that. Yeah. And I don't know if we mentioned this, but when you do get hit, there is knockback. Oh, yeah. And it can really mess you up. It can. It can. And there's usually, you know, there's some for enemies as well when you hit them. I mean, <laughs> yes. So there is one more item that you buy and use, and that is this series of keys. Yeah, which, you know, obviously you're just going to have to buy certain ones because there are five types that all correspond to a card, a face card type, such as Jack, Queen, King, which all the doors are kind of typed for each. You know, only certain uh, keys will open certain locks, the matching one. Yeah, I was not a huge fan of the keys in this game. Really made me do a lot of backtracking. I, I mean, yeah, if you're not ready for it, but uh, I, I do like that it's not just a generic magic key, but it doesn't really add up to much. I don't know. Well, the keys are also weird because they are named after suits or, or cards, actually. There's the Jack, Queen, King, Joker, and Ace key. Yeah, and they just open more advanced locks, you know, as you go. Pretty much. Yeah. Now, that's it for your instant use or consumable items you buy. But there's a whole other set of items that are important. The weapons, the armor, the shields, and the magic. Yeah. And these, you know, function like any basic RPG. Every town or two will have a better version of the last. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's not like, a, you know, oh, do I choose this or that? Nope. The, the next one is better. It just does more damage, does more defense, etc. Very linear power progression. Yeah. Uh, but let's start with the weapons, because there is, I think, the biggest difference in those. Well, there can be, yes. Because uh, you start with the hand dagger, and it only does four damage. But its other big weakness is that it's very short striking. Yeah, it's it's kind of rough at first. You have a, your your sword attack is kind of, it's not as bad as, say, Kuros from Wizards and Warriors, but it's not very, I mean, here it's very short range, but it's kind of, it's a weird stiff attack that's not the slash you may imagine or, or wish you had. And the other problem is uh, that short range also extends to the ground. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You cannot hit ground-based enemies with a dagger. You have to use magic on them, which is a huge yeah. pain in the butt early on. This, yeah, no crouch means that certain, you know, not so tough, but annoying enemies will be around and consuming your magic. Then you upgrade to the long sword. It doubles the damage to eight. It has mm -hmm. a longer reach and it can hit the ground. Yeah. So you try to get that as soon as possible. It's a big deal. Next up is the giant blade. And I, it is ridiculous. It's I was obsessed with this sword as a kid. I love it still because it's so goofy. It is a blade that has a trident of blades coming off the, the end of it. Yeah, it's it's a tri sword. It's so funny. I loved it. <laughs> and not a tri sword where it's like shatter stars by sword. Right. Man, it's not two swords from one hilt 
it's one sword blade and then about two-thirds of the way up that sword blade splits into three trident sword blades where it goes off and then the three of them point back towards the sky again yeah so cool um do you, it reminds me kind of do you remember that movie is it dragon slayer 80s fantasy movie where the guy had the three-bladed sword Mm-hmm. And, and the two side ones could shoot off. <laughs> I don't. I never saw this movie, but man, childhood me wishes they did. Yeah, it, it was. I don't think it's a great movie, but the sword is great. Now, this sword, its damage increases by a huge gap. You went from eight on that long sword to 20 here. Yeah, it's a big jump. Yeah, I mean, you can get rid of three swings of your sword. Which you, yeah, because you've got three blades. Oh, I guess that's why. <laughs> uh, but it's awesome. Once you get the sword the enemies become a whole lot easier. It's great. And then the final sword, the Dragon Slayer. Yeah, pretty fancy. It's only five more damage. Yeah, but I mean, at least according to the manual, it's like you have to have it to defeat the boss, the final boss. Yeah. So. And you can't uh, equip it until you have the battle helmet and the battle suit. Yeah. And then that's it. You're stuck with them all. Well, I don't know why you want to take them off, but... Yeah, you can't sell any unneeded weapons or armor, unfortunately. But you can sell uh, unneeded keys or other items. Yeah, yeah. Which I had to do often because I was like, I'm buying more of these stupid keys so I don't get (laughs) messed over again. (laughs) And next up, we have the armor selection. Uh, You start with leather armor, and it just means you take all the damage that's Uh thrown at you. Uh, You upgrade to studded mail. Studly mail. Uh, That gives you 90% damage. Uh, It's your next upgrade to the full plate that helps out a little bit more. That's 75% damage. Full suit. And then finally, the battle suit, and that takes uh, you down to 50% damage. Which is great stuff. And, and you know, we should note that with all of these armors and the weapons, your sprite changes. Yes, that is a huge deal. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, that was something that you didn't see in most 8-bit games at all. No, yeah. So I do really appreciate that. Next, we have the shields, just as exciting as the armor. You have to buy your first shield, the small shield. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it reduces your damage when you block things by 50%. Uh, you see, magic I, and projectiles. Uh, yeah, which is mostly just all magic. But it, it's important for later because there are enemies that have like full screen magic attacks. Yes. Uh, then there's the large sealed. It uh, blocks 75% of damage. Pretty cool. <laughs> then you have the magic shield. It blocks 90% of damage. And again, these only work if you are blocking a projectile with them, though. It's not all damage. Oh, right, right. And then finally, the last shield is not a shield at all, but uh, the battle helmet. Yeah, which is looks cool. Does look very cool. And then finally, the most exciting part, the list of magic spells. And now, sadly, you do have to purchase each of these spells. Yes, you do. Uh, you start with a deluge. Yes, the deluge, which is just a like a fireball you shoot out. Mm-hmm. But early on, it's the only way to hit crouching foes, so <laughs> you need it. And the- the other good thing about this is is it does shoot all the way across the screen. Mm-hmm. And while it only does six damage, it does only use two magic points. Yeah, so the you know even the weaker magics kind of age well because they're cheaper. Yes. Next up is Thunder Magic. Yes, it is. Which is good because it will push your enemies away from you. Yes. Uh, it does nine damage and only takes four MP as well. Pretty now, cool. One of the uh, other big uh, advantages of Thunder is that it goes through walls. Oh, yeah, yeah, pretty sweet. But it does not have the same range as Deluge. Uh, next up is Fire. Yeah, which is, right, this is weaker than Thunder. Um, I see it written as to have it doing 24 damage. 
See, the manual says it's 1.5 times the power of deluge, and then thunder is four times the power of deluge. Yeah, but there's a lot of things wrong in this game, which we'll get to a little later. But so was well, this just a game fact or I was looking at strategy wiki crazy. OK, well, yeah, the, the manual may be deceptive. Now, uh, the fire magic, you can only learn from one lonely mage out there. Mm, poor guy. Uh, but it has like super knockback. Wow, that's crazy because that's what it says about thunder in the uh, manual. So, so something got backwards somewheres. Well, truth be told, I barely used either of these. I early on bought the next magic, death magic. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, because this, yeah, well, yeah. And there was a way to get this very early. It yeah. does use uh, 10 magic points, but it does 34 damage. It is super strong. It shoots out a cool spike ball effect. Mm-hmm. Pretty sweet. It's great for attacking bosses. Yeah, for sure. And then finally, we have Tilta. I don't know how you pronounce this one. I think it's just Tilt, man. Tilt magic. <laughs> yeah, the manual says it's the magic of curses and superior to all other forms of magic. It's weird. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's, uh, it, is un, it is hard to understand what it's going to do because it is like a small orb, like flies <laughs> around, curves up, and then it like expands. It, it is strange. It's strong, but... I, I usually, I don't know, spoilers, but I ended up using death a, a little more, I think. Unless well, required. it only does four more damage. It does 38 damage, and it yeah. takes 16 magic points, so not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Now, as I mentioned, there are some things in this game that uh, are a little funky, and uh, we'll talk about the special items here that point that out. Uh, there yeah. is a feel you'll find in the game. I think they are either given to you when you defeat a boss and or sometimes just given to you by an NPC. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. meet other requirements. Uh, there is the magical rod. Yeah, which increases the power of your magic. Uh, I'm reading 150%. Pretty sweet. Then there is the pendant. Ah, uh, yes, the pendant, which... And this is what I was talking about. Claims it will increase your attacking power. But apparently it does the opposite. Yeah, I was reading that, I guess, people who are smarter than me that know how to look into code is that it's like reversed to where... It's you already have that effect from the beginning of the game that the yes. like f- event flag is turned on. So when you get the pendant, it turns it off. So it's, it's therefore weakening you. Yeah, not you don't have to get it. So I recommend avoiding it. Uh, some people do get it to be a more of like a challenge run before. I never noticed it until I was told about it, but um, it's it's definitely there. So, you know, avoid it. And then uh, there is the final one, the black onyx which just reduces damage. So that's pretty cool. Now, I guess the only other uh, set of items to talk about would be the rings. Yeah, you get a selection of rings that... Do they do, they do anything? Uh, not really, uh, kind of. They're, they're all essentially just keys, you know? You just need them to get in or past right. certain areas. They don't actually function or do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. They're a key that is kind of an infinite use, but you have to have them to get through an area. Yeah, but they look cool. They do look cool. Now, as we mentioned, there are passwords in this game, and they're decently long passwords. Yeah. But because of them, you don't have lives. Correct. Uh, When you do start over, though, where do you start? It's right where you stopped off, right? I think it's your last guru. Oh, last guru. I believe so. At least I did the last time I died, so I (laughs) double-checked because I wasn't sure. (laughs)
All right, folks, here we are in the general chat portion of our show. Yes, we're saving our personal histories and our manual talk for next episode. Mm -hmm. You know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, deal with it. But I would just like to start by saying that I had to do so much backtracking in this game <laughs> that if this music wasn't as good as it was, I don't know if I could have taken it. Oh, I know it's not bad. It's just that I really wish they would tell you how many keys you needed. Yeah, it's something that, you know, I, I've played through this several times in my life. So or in, you know, even the first time I was somewhat prepared for at least parts from the Nintendo Power it was featured in an issue and even had a map that was with the, it was on the other side of the RoboCop poster. I don't know if you remember. Nice. Yes. That was a good poster. <laughs> but yeah, there are many times this game where you're like, oh, I'll get this new key or I'll get two of the new key. Mm -hmm. But you have to go back and forth so many times that you need three of the new key. And if you've only brought two, you got to go back to a town and waste one and then buy them again. Like there yeah. was just the key management in this game really threw me off. It's something that you can run afoul of if you're if you're unprepared, you know? Yeah. If I would have been using a, a really good walkthrough that was like, before you go to the next area, have five keys. Yeah. That probably would have saved me some trouble. But I was trying to play this one a little more organically. Sure. Yeah. But like you pointed out, that it has a, a good soundtrack and a pretty unique one, I think. Yeah. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Future spoilers, I, uh, I did play this uh, on a handheld, so I was using headphones a, a good amount as well. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I I don't have the musical vocabulary necessarily to articulate, <laughs> but, you know, some of the songs even have kind of a, uh, almost like a polka, like Eastern European vibe to them. Just different, all kinds of, it's, it's it definitely has its own vibe. It does. And I really do like the world that they're building here. It has a very interesting medieval kind of monster universe that i feel like separates it a little bit from other action rpgs of the time there, there's a lot more humanoid or larger creatures the monster designs are bizarre usually uh but in a great way yeah yeah i love them uh and again it's one of those things that kind of helps contribute with the music and, and the the backgrounds are great because while Thank it is God. extremely brown Yes. For most of the game, it really gives it its own feel. I don't know. It all contributes to a good uh, uh, kind of atmosphere where it's a unique setting where you're, you're fighting your way up uh, the world tree. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is that even though the backgrounds are all very similarly colored, they are very different looking. So it's when you do have to backtrack over and over again. <laughs> At least it's easy to remember where to go and like, oh, I'm in the new area. I'm in the old area. There is a great visual distinction usually between the two. Yeah. And like many games, when you when you start looking at it, like looking at maps of these levels, you're like, oh, it's really not as big or, or as mysterious as it seems at first. But oh, it, no. it still gets the feel, you know, when you're you're. Yeah, once you've backtracked three times, you realize, oh, this is real short. I just go here, here and here. <laughs> uh, but to get back to the enemies, I do love the fact that like. There's a few of them that I'm like, I don't know what the heck they're going for. But for the most part, they all look, well, I don't want to say inspired by other enemies or creatures, but I <laughs> definitely know what they're going for with each one. And I, I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oddly enough, I feel like the names of them are a little odd. They don't usually ever match the enemy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen any of the names. Uh, there's one that's called the Wolfman that is not a Wolfman. It is clearly an either an alien or a, a xenomorph or a skeleton. The Wolfman, weird. I, I saw it referred to as the Wolfman in multiple places. That's what I thought was so crazy about it. 
yeah, bizarre, man. I, <laughs> uh, but then again, some of them like the lamprey is like a tentacle. So, you know, it kind of makes sense. Yeah, it kind of fits there. Yeah. One of the things I like about the enemies is that in, you know, in game, they're referred to as dwarfs. Yes. Which Sometimes I always spelled D-W-O-R-F. Dwarf. Yeah. The ring of dwarf or whatever. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, it's it's weird. Because... Also, that really confused me. I was like, all right, dwarves and elves. Like, I can't wait to finally see these dwarves. Then when I figured out what they were talking about, I felt dumb. I think it's that they were dwarves that were corrupted by the meteorite or something. Yeah. I always kind of interpreted it as a mistranslation of demon or something or creature, but I th- I think they were originally dwarves, but you're putting them out of their misery now. Oh, you are. And that is the thing I like about these enemies. Very few of them have patterns that are just like almost impossible to deal with. They're usually even the harder ones. Like if you know what they do, you can set yourself up to not take damage from them. Yeah, it's pretty well done because you do control it's got a a castlevania kind of feel you know with your jump and your movement and stuff but you don't have that whip range so it would be unfair if they didn't alter the enemy's behaviors from a castlevania style and they did they made it way easier to fight them with uh, your kind of stiff sword arm mm-hmm. now that doesn't mean it's perfect there are some parts of combat that drove me totally nuts <laughs> uh, like the fact that you can very easily be knocked out of a screen with that knockback. Yeah, you don't get pit deaths, but if you get knocked out of a screen and come back, any enemies you may have defeated will have respawned. And it it always happens when you've defeated a room full of really annoying enemies or tough ones. <laughs> like, and you'll get knocked back by like the stupid bee flying around or some other oh, inconsequential the- enemy that just doesn't matter. Bees are up there with birds, I think, across all games. They are super annoying. Yeah, the bees in this one are crazy because they have like a like a procedurally generated path where they they start bouncing off pong style from all the walls. Yeah, yeah. Now I find myself uh, using the turbo button a lot more than I normally do in this game. Oh, really? Yeah. I just thought it made it. It took out the awkwardness of timing your attacks. You just yeah. If you have a good turbo you never miss that second attack. Otherwise, there is an opportunity for a lot of the quicker enemies to hit you after you've hit them. Yeah, yeah. So you want to watch out. Keep you on your toes, man. And then going back to my key complaints, I then, since I overbought many keys, once I got, you know, stung, I always had (laughs) extra keys in my inventory that I would eventually be like, "Uh, can I sell this yet, you know? Yeah, man, it's something I haven't thought about in so long because I always just kind of know where I'm like, all right, now you need to buy three of these or I don't yeah. even remember what for, but uh, I'm sure I, I suffered through that years ago. And and so then, uh, you know, uh, good news is you can always sell those keys, but you are doing so at a loss. I think of half. Right, right. Which, but, man, that's rough, too, because that's a way I avoid grinding typically is there are certain spots where you can, oh, here's a wing boots and you can abuse the respawn to fill up your inventory with however many spaces you have available, then go and sell them. Yeah, and see, I was not able to do that. So instead, I would find areas where there's like, okay, there's a room where once you walk in, there's two enemies that just walk right at you and are yeah, easy yeah. to kill. And I'll just do this for 15 minutes while yeah. I put some uh, this old house on. Yeah, there's a <laughs> there's a trick there too. At the very beginning, you know, I mean, or any time, if you go to the very first king when you have zero gold. He will give you 1500 gold. So early on, you can kind of get ahead on that, at least with the first type of key, you know, first wave. Yeah. And I definitely, um, I, I did grind anytime I wanted like money because I made sure I always bought all the items, all the new mm. 
magics, even though I, I didn't really use them, uh, sadly. Yeah, yeah. But it's important to grind a little bit too to get that the money for those potions. Yeah, you always want to have an elixir and at least like three, maybe four red potions, or you know, maybe just your full slots to use. Because that's my other big complaint about this game is that there are just certain times, and this is one of those games where if you get caught in the wrong part of a stage or in between an enemy and a block or two enemies, you can get bounced back and forth and lose a ton of damage real quick. Mm, yeah. I mean, it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, I do look up and be like, oh my God, I just lost like half my damage on this one stupid enemy. <laughs> and it was always very frustrating. Yeah, yeah. I thought for the most part, the bosses are pretty easy once you have they're kind of weird but they have usually such a like one note pattern yeah uh, there's a few that are i mean worthless like i didn't i didn't understand how you like uh we'll get to them but the zaradona or whatever i don't understand how that one would hurt you well and a lot of them and this is another thing that kind of sucks about the game is that it's it's one where the the enemy bosses will just respawn yeah and you have to fight a lot of them twice because of that but conversely, you can use them to grind, get get a lot of money quick if you uh, know what you're doing. Yeah. Now, as I mentioned, I got the death spell early on. There's a chance to buy it very early. Yeah. And if you yeah. do, the bosses are nothing. Yeah. I would take like th- two to three hits. I've always meant to try that because I never did. I would always cheap out because it's so expensive or seems so expensive so early. But... There's a grinding spot right before it that... Yeah. Uh, five to ten minutes tops not that bad cool now and it really makes the bosses very easy sweet well speaking of the graphics i I did want to talk about the the people in the towns when you talk to them you get a little face portrait which they look pretty cool uh so cool in fact half of them are smoking it's awesome and but they i love that they blink with like every letter that gets you know they're super blinky it's so funny yeah. i it always stuck with me as, as a kid and to this day uh, not only are they cool because they're smoking but i also know the fact that like they did go out of their way to make sure like they were like rough and tumble old-timey folks like you know like yeah they're missing some teeth they don't look like oh i'm the pretty man i'm like no yeah. these are like this is a bar dude this is like yeah. a ruffian so that's one of those uh, things that it helps add up to this. This is another one of those, I guess, kind of like uh, Simon's Quest, where I'm like, this game does have a an atmosphere to it. It has its own mm-hmm. like visual identity that is pretty consistent and interesting. I wish the towns looked different. I mean, they do have a different layout of buildings, but the buildings are all the same. Generally, yeah, they have the same like uh, sprites, palettes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And that would make it a little easier to remember which one was which. But they are also bizarrely named. Oh, yeah. Four paw or victim. <laughs> yeah. In fact, when they were talking about the victim, the victim, I, I, I didn't realize that was the town for a while. It's so weird. It is a strange choice, but I like it in a way. Yeah. And in fact, the whole story of the game is actually pretty good for an 8-bit game. And in the way it kind of is uh, metered out to you as you go along, I think really helps it. Yeah, yes, definitely. There's there's. Well, mechanically, there's nothing crazy or that inventive about the game. It just, uh, on a lot of other levels, it really stands out as, if not great, but it's definitely got its own thing going on, you know? Well, I think the fact that you discover the story as you talk to people goes a long way of making it more interesting than just reading it in three paragraphs as a scroll during the attract mode. Well, not only that, but it, it is... You're not rescuing a princess or, you know, a lot of other games from this are, uh, you know, less narrative because or uh, they have a less 
lesser setting that doesn't contribute to the story itself as you go, you know, that visually explains some things, kind of. Yes, indeed. So the game begins with you in a town. Yeah, you do get a short little story where it's like, I was returning home mm-hmm. for years. What happened to my town? It shows a little, you know, you're walking up to a kind of giant, you know, a town at the base of the world tree, which is, you know, kind of, it's all brown, brown leaves. It looks kind of rough. And your hometown is rough. There's enemies yeah. in the town. The town of Eolus. And, you know, at the beginning, you don't start with a weapon, so you kind of have to avoid enemies. Well, even Just, when you get your weapon, you still have to avoid them because you got to use magic on them. That's right. They're too low. They are little the, spiked creatures. The Zoz, Zozuras. Zozuras. And you can jump over them, though. So that's kind of like what you do. Yeah. For the most yeah. part, because you're not also going to waste your magic on these little guys. Although they are one of the enemies that gives you bread. Yeah. And you'll you'll kind of learn kind of like in Zelda, where it's like certain enemies will drop bread. Some are some, you know, have Those a chance. The best, the best enemies. Fill yourself up. Yeah, because as we mentioned, you know, they do respawn when you leave. So you can always just come back and forth when you find an easy to kill bread enemy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, in this town, uh, you can buy the hand dagger. You can buy red potions. You can buy an elixir, which you can't do later on. So definitely grab one. Get one now. Yeah. You can get the spell deluge. Yeah. And as long as you make sure to spend all of your money that first time, always swing back by the king and fill back up. Yeah, you can you can fill your inventory with red potions. Get a couple keys. Uh, another tip is that it's since you the J key that's here, by the way. Yeah, the J uh, Jack key. And uh, a- another good tip to save some money is that when you start off, um, since you start with only a quarter of your health, you can just die right away, and you'll just respawn right where you are. You know, at the beginning of the game with full life and magic. Oh, nice. So you don't have to spit, or you can go to. They have what they call gems. There's one for your health and one for your, your magic. And you can spend some golds, which we forgot to mention. I like that they everyone calls gold golds. Yeah. Now, a lot of towns, not this one, have like a hospital area. Yeah. Also a restaurant. And the hospital is always way more expensive than just buying the servings of meat to yeah. refill your health. It's weird so, that they... So never they, do it. <laughs> yeah. They give you so many options where it's like you can go to the doctor, you can go to the gym, or you can eat meat to increase your health. <laughs> oh, now I will tell you the thing that I left this out of my gripe section, which uh, I'll bring up now. The one reason I would go to a hospital over buying the meat is that the menus in this game when people talk to you and you have to go through the menus are so excruciatingly slow oh yes you do have to watch them like they type it out kind of and there's always like one extra screen that you just like what like do you want to buy (laughs) or do you want to sell and if you hit b at any point during any of this on accident you gotta start all the way over yeah yeah so just keep your finger off that button baby that's right be careful don't get crazy so you want to get all your stuff together and then eventually the king will give you a ring, right? Yeah, I think it's the ring of sapphire. Okay. And you need this ring to get out of here. Yeah, no, you get it from the guru and you show it to the king. And then That's right. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. And then he'll let you out of the town. And you'll see another weird enemy right before the end, a jumping it's like a two legged weird, like one eyed head mm-hmm. that jumps and bites. It's uh pretty freaky. 
Yeah, but you know the thing is, is its jump is very metered. Like you know exactly where it's going to land every time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So this is the, you're going to get used to this enemy if you want that death spell early because you're going to be killing a ton of them. Uh, when you leave the town, you know it's just those things and the little spike guys, the Zozuras, uh, in a nice kind of rocky outcropping with a castle behind it and around it. Yeah, see, I always was. We would have debates as a kid, me and, and friends, about whether this background was like earth or do you think it's supposed to be roots, like the giant tree? Oh, yeah, I, I think it very well could be. Also, um, what a nerdy debate to have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's kind of it's just vague enough to where you're like, or, or, I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm glad you guys did debate the merits of this uh, possible root system. I'm going to go pro root because okay. there are some vertical structures coming down through it. Yeah, yeah, it, it fits, I guess. <laughs> now, before you get to the end of this like area, there is a door, and in that door is a shop that sells the magic shield and the spell death, uh, which are both very expensive right now. Thousands, now, magic, and thousands of gold. <laughs> yeah, the magic shield is uh is is less than it would be when you find it later, but death is more expensive than it will be when you find it later. Yeah, but I'm sure it is worth it. It is. Uh, there's a spot where you can just walk and kill two of those little guys, the jumping guys. Mm-hmm. You have to do that, I think, 60 times to get enough money. Wow. To get, well, I think I, I did the math on it. You just bang it out early. Yeah, exactly. I mean, thank God for podcasts. That's all I got to say. <laughs> and TV, whatever. Uh, I did get those things. And then I moved on to the big giant door at the end of this walkway, which takes yeah. you to Apolloon. The town of Apolloon. And... It's not a very exciting town. No, there there is a, a weapons store there, a key store. But they have the same keys, the same weapons. They just have a new spell. No, it's the same spell. So if you Deluge. missed it the first time. <laughs> yeah, nothing new here at all, just higher higher prices. So go ahead and buy anything you missed here in Apolloon, because Apolloon. you need to make your way to Fourpaw. And to get there, you're going to uh, you know go through more of this ch- this this tree trunk route. Keep, yeah, keep heading to the right. There is... Uh, those blue and white kind of skeletal enemy guys, we, we have been seeing them around too. Kind of a zombie creature. Yeah, yeah. Slow, easy to fight. Well, first we have to go through this. We'll see the Tower of Trunk. It requires a jack key. Mm-hmm. Because and this is uh, where you're going to find that pickaxe. Yeah, it's a very short, it's just a few kind of room, but we will see those weird uh, jumping, they have like horns and what I imagine to be cloven hooves. They, you know what I mean? Those creatures. Oh, that... yeah. They're your first kind of real tricky enemy because they do have a, their jumping pattern is not very predictable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, they're fast. They are. And it's not fun. It, or they can corner you or really bust you up. Yeah. Now to get the Matok, AKA pickaxe, mm-hmm. you must defeat your first boss. Yeah. A dwarf that looks like a giant demon. It's very cool looking. Uh, I've seen it listed as Ripeshiki. Ripeshiki, okay. Ripeshiku. And we should say, okay, and inside these towers and stuff, there's even more. It's like a darker brown, and it gives everything yeah. a, a very kind of old and musty feel that I, I like. It's like this is an old tower that's been overrun for a while now. Now, this dragon is like a cool, uh, it's not too large. It's got two legs and then winged arms. A wicked dragon head, and it shoots fireballs at you. Mm-hmm. And it flies up and down. Yeah. It takes three death spells to kill it. Oh, wow. Okay, well. <laughs> Maybe it's, two. What does it take from the sword? Well, it the 
I'm not sure. It, it takes quite a few, but I can't. I think you, you only have the dagger right now, so. Yeah, yeah, but you can you can use your deluge to hit it in the head, but there is a spot on, there's like an upper and lower ledge here where if you stand, I think it's on the top of the lower one. Mm-hmm. If you stand just right, you can just hold down turbo, and eventually this thing will like knock into your, I think you have to be on the very top, but. Okay. It won't stop and shoot at you up there, and you can just slowly whittle it down. With you don't you don't ever even really get hit, but it just takes forever because he doesn't come up there that often. Fair enough. Now, when you destroy it, you do get the uh, matok and seven hundred and twenty gold. Yeah, so it's not a bad spot to grind either if you if you can effectively deal with this guy, especially if you have a death spell. Jeez. Yeah, uh, this also has the enemy they call snowmen in this uh, level. Are, are those those frog looking kind of guys? Yes. They have a weird head face. They kind of remind me of Gollum from the old Rankin Bass <laughs> uh, Hobbit mm-hmm. cartoon. But once you leave there, you now have the tool you need to uh, move on. Yeah, you can break You're right beyond. The path. Yeah, right beyond this tower was the wall you have to destroy with the with the mattock. And now you're you're back in the green, the green stone and the brown roots. Mm-hmm. And uh, the good news is, is that to get to the next town, you have to just make it through. Uh, there's a few new enemies. There's the um, the little mushroom men, well, yeah. tall mushroom men. The mu- They're yes. awesome. They're slow and give you bread. And then uh, a new enemy that is one of the more annoying enemies in the game. I don't know. I can't remember what it's called. They look like a little ghost. A Charon? Charon. Uh, yeah. And they, they kind of, z- not really zigzag, but they fly around. We can kind of bounce off the ceilings and walls of, uh, of the screen. Oh, no. That is the uh, Unari. But that thing's great. Oh, it, oh, okay. They're easy to take care of. What I'm talking about is the puffy looking guy that shoots fireballs at you. Oh, yes. I know what you mean. Yes. Because there's no good way to like, I can never jump over all of the fireballs. I'm no, getting, I, whenever, whenever I encounter one of those guys, I'm hitting by, I'm getting hit by one fireball minimum. You just got to haul butt and get right up to them as fast as you can and start attacking them. Yeah. Because, you know, you can't crouch underneath anything. No. Uh, you make your way down through this level. And you will be at your next town and the end of this podcast. Oh, at four paw, four paw, more like three paw. I don't know. This is where you get that <laughs> long sword. So. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Five paw at least. Yes. And uh, we'll take you through the rest of the game next week, along with, uh, you know, our histories with it here. And we'll talk about this exciting manual. Oh, yeah. And of course, end up with our review. Next week's game will continue to be Fezanadu. Oh, Fezanadu part two. So strap Ooh. your plate mail and your roller skates on. <laughs> oh, that's right. And have you ever seen the movie Xanadu? If you haven't, have. you really should. It's a strange, bizarre movie that's so bad it's good, but it does have a great soundtrack and some pretty cool special effects for two minutes yes, of the yeah. movie. <laughs> Indeed. But, now, there yeah. are many ways to find and play this game, so find it, play it along. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, watch the movie, too, and let us know. At cartridgecommand at gmail.com, perhaps? Perhaps. Or you can get in touch with us on Facebook at Cartridge Command or on the Twitterverse at Cart Command. Yeah. Uh, we love hearing from you folks, but we also want to say a special thanks to all those wonderful, awesome, and amazing people that give to us every month at patreon.com slash cartridgecommand. That is their financial support that makes this show possible. They are patrons with a capital P. 
They are. They are not dwarfs. No, no. They are true heroes. Yes. And, uh, you know, they help us pay for our hosting fees, any equipment we need, all that kind of stuff. So thank you all so very much. You know, this is a passion project. Uh, Nick and I are just a couple of working class guys, and we do this in our spare time for each other, but also for you. And the fact yeah. that, you know, there are people out there that give us money to do this, make sure we keep moving forward. Yeah, we are overwhelmed by your support. Thank you we all. Are. And if you don't give, uh, consider giving a dollar, two dollars, a thousand dollars. We'll take any yeah. amount. Yeah, the, the choice is yours and yours alone. It is. But thank you all so very much. And as always, Cartridge Commandos, game on. oh indeed hey i i am about to pee my pants hold on sorry oh don't do it don't pee in them oh sorry about that cool